Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 103. Today we continue the story in the revolt by Absalom against his father, and today's episode is called Civil War. As we see this in the book of Second uh, Samuel, we see the sad consequences of what happens when people's pride and sin goes unchecked. And in Romans chapter 2, we'll see something similar in our own hearts and lives as well. But we begin today with 2 Samuel chapter 18. David assembled the army that was with him. He appointed leaders of thousands and leaders of hundreds. David then sent out the army, a third under the leadership of Job, a third under the leadership of Job's brother Abishai, son of Zariah, and a third under the leadership of Ittai the Gittite. The king said to the troops, I too will indeed march out with you. But the soldiers replied, You should not do this. For if we should have to make a rapid retreat, they won't be concerned about us. Even if half of us should die, they won't be concerned, because you are like 10,000 of us. So it is better if you remain in the city for support. Then the king said to them, I will do whatever seems best to you. So the king stayed beside the city gate while all the army marched out by hundreds and by thousands. The king gave this order to Job, Abishai, and Ittai. For my sake, deal gently with the young man Absalom. Now the entire army was listening when the king gave all the leaders this order concerning Absalom. Then the army marched out to the field to fight against Israel. The battle took place in the forest of Ephraim. The army of Israel was defeated there by David's men. The slaughter there was great that day. 20,000 soldiers were killed. The battle was spread out over the whole area and the forest consumed more soldiers than the sword devoured that day. Then Absalom happened to come across David's men. Now as Absalom was riding on his mule, it went under the branches of a large oak tree. His head got caught in the oak and was suspended in midair, while the mule he had been riding on kept going. Then one of the young men saw this. He reported to Job, saying, I saw Absalom hanging in an oak tree. Job replied to the man who was telling him this, What? You saw this? Why didn't you strike him down and right on the spot? I would have given you ten pieces of silver and a commemorative belt. The man replied to Job, Even if I were receiving a thousand pieces of silver, I would not strike the king's son. In our very presence, the king gave this order to you and Abishai and Ittai. Protect the young man Absalom for my sake. If I had acted at risk of my own life and nothing is hidden from the king, you would have abandoned me. Job replied, I will not wait around like this for you. He took three spears in his hand and thrust them into the middle of Absalom and while he was still alive in the middle of the oak tree. Then ten soldiers who were Job's armor-bearers struck Absalom and finished him off. Then Job blew the trumpet and the army turned back from chasing Israel, for Job had called for the army to halt. They took Absalom, threw him into a large pit in the forest, and stacked a huge pile of stones over him. In the meantime, all the Israelite soldiers fled to their homes. Before this, Absalom had set up a monument and dedicated it to himself in the king's valley, reasoning, I have no son who will carry on my name. He named the monument after himself, and to this day it is known as Absalom's memorial. Then Ahimehaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run and give the king the good news that the Lord has vindicated him before his enemies. 
But Job said to him, You will not be a bearer of good news today. You will, be, you will bear good news some other day, but not today, for the king's son is dead. Then Job said to the Cushite, Go and tell the king what you have seen. After bowing to Job, the Cushite ran off. Ahimez, the son of Zadok, again spoke to Job, Whatever happens, let me go after the Cushite. But Job said, Why is it that you want to go, my son? You have no good news that will bring you a reward. But he said, Whatever happens, I want to go. So Job said to him, Then go. So Ahimez ran by the way of the Jordan plain, and he passed the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the inner and outer gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate at the wall. When he looked, he saw a man running by himself. So the watchman called out and informed the king, and the king said, If he is by himself, he brings good news. The runner came ever closer. Then the watchman saw another man running. The watchman called out to the gatekeeper, There is another man running by himself. The king said, This one also is bringing good news. The watchman said, It appears to me that the first runner is Ahimez, son of Zadok. The king said, He is a good man, and he comes with good news. Then Ahimez called out and said to the king, Greetings! He bowed down before the king with his face toward the ground and said, May the Lord your God be praised because he has defeated the men who opposed my lord the king. The king replied, How is the young man Absalom? Ahimez replied, I saw a great deal of confusion when Job was sending the king's servant and me, your servant, but I don't know what it's all about. The king said, Turn aside and take your place here. So he turned aside and waited. Then the Cushite arrived and said, May my lord the king now receive the good news. The Lord has vindicated you today and delivered you from the hand of all who have rebelled against you. The king asked the Cushite, How is the young man Absalom? The Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who have plotted against you be like that young man. The king then became very upset. He went to the upper room over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, My son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I could have died in your place. Absalom, my son, my son. Job was told the king is weeping so and mourning so over Absalom. So the victory of that day was turned to mourning as far as the people were concerned, for the people heard on that day the king is grieved over his son. That day the people stole away to go to the city, the way people who are embarrassed steal away and fleeing from battle. The king covered his face and cried out loudly, My son Absalom, Absalom my son, my son. So Job visited the king at his home. He said, Today you have embarrassed all your servants, who have saved your life this day, as well as the lives of your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your concubines. You seem to love your enemies and hate your friends, for you have as much declared today that the leaders and servants don't matter to you. I realize now that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, it would be all right with you. So get up now and go out and give some encouragement to your servants, for I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out there, not a single man will stay here with you tonight. This disaster will be worse for you than any disaster that has overtaken you from your youth right to the present time. So the king got up and sat at the city gate. When all the people were informed that the king was sitting at the city gate, they came out before him. But the Israelite soldiers had all fled to their own homes. All the people throughout all the tribes of Israel were arguing among themselves, saying, The king delivered us from the hand of the enemies. He rescued us from the hand of the Philistines. But now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed as our king, has died in battle. So now, why do you hesitate to bring the king back? Then King David sent a message to Zadok and Abiathar the priest, saying, Tell the elders of Judah, why should you delay any further in bringing the king back to his palace, when everything Israel is saying has come to the king's attention? You are my brothers, my very own flesh and blood. Why should you delay any further in bringing the king back? Say to Amasa, 
Are you not my flesh and blood? God will punish me severely if from this time on you are not the commander of my army in place of Job. He won the hearts of the men of Judah as though they were one man. Then they sent word to the king, saying, Return, you and all your servants as well. So the king returned and came to the Jordan River. Now the people of Judah had come to Gilgal to meet the king and to help him cross the Jordan. Shimei, son of Gerar, the Benjaminite from Bethurim, came down quickly with the men of Judah to meet King David. There were a thousand men from Benjamin along with him, along with Ziba, the servant of Saul's household, and with him his fifteen sons and twenty servants. They hurriedly crossed the Jordan within the sight of the king. They crossed at the ford in order to help the king's household cross and do whatever they thought he thought appropriate. Now after he crossed the Jordan, Shimei, son of Gerar, threw himself down before the king. He said to the king, Don't think badly of me, my lord, and don't recall the sin of your servant on the day when you, my lord the king, left Jerusalem. Please don't call it to mind, for I, your servant, know that I have sinned, and I have come today as the first of all the house of Joseph to come down to meet my lord the king. Abishai, son of Zariah, replied, For this should not Shimei be put to death? After all, he cursed the Lord's anointed. But David said, What do we have in common, you sons of Zariah? You are like my enemy today. Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? Don't I know that today I am king over Israel? The king said to Shimei, You won't die. The king vowed an oath concerning this. Now Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, came down to meet the king. From the day the king had left until the day he safely returned, Mephibosheth had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? He replied, My lord the king, my servant deceived me. I said, Let me get my donkey saddled so that I might ride on it and go with the king, for I am lame. But my servant has slandered me to the lord my king. But my lord the king is like an angel of God. Do whatever seems appropriate to you. After all, there was no one in the entire house of my grandfather who did not deserve death for my lord the king. But instead you allowed me to eat at your own table. What further claim do I have to ask the king for anything? Then the king replied to him, Why should you continue speaking like this? You and Ziba will inherit the field together. Mephibosheth said to the king, Let him have the whole thing. My lord the king has returned safely to his house. Now when Barzillai the Gileadite had come from Rogilim, he crossed the Jordan with the king so he could send him on his way from there. But Barzillai was very old, eighty years old, in fact, and, it had taken, and he had taken care of the king when he stayed in Mananiam, for he was a very rich man. So the king said to Barzillai, Cross over with me, and I will take care of you while you are with me in Jerusalem. Barzillai said to the king, How many days do I have left in my life that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am now eighty years old. Am I able to discern good and bad? Can I taste what I eat and drink? Am I still able to hear the voices of male and female singers? Why should I continue to be a burden to my lord the king? I will cross the Jordan with the king and go a short distance. Why should the king reward me in this way? Let me return so that I may die in my own town near the grave of my father and my mother. But look, here is your servant, Kimaham. Let him cross over my lord with my lord the king. Do for him whatever seems appropriate to you. The king replied, Kimham will cross over with me, and I will do for him whatever I deemed appropriate. And whatever you choose, I will do for you. So all the people crossed the Jordan, as did the king. After the king had kissed him and blessed him, Barzillai returned to his home. When the king crossed over to Gilgal, Kimham crossed over with him. Now all the soldiers of Judah, along with half the soldiers of Israel, had helped the king cross over. Then all the men of Israel began coming to the king. They asked the king, 
Why did our brothers, the men of Judah, sneak the king away and help the king and his household cross the Jordan, and not only him, but all of David's men as well? All the men of Judah replied to the men of Israel, saying, Because the king is our close relative. Why are you so upset about this? Have we eaten at the king's expense, or have we misappropriated anything for our own use? The men of Israel replied to the men of Judah, saying, We have ten shares in the king, and we have a greater claim on David than you do. Why do you want to curse us? Weren't we the first to be uh, to suggest bringing back our king? But the comments of the men of Judah were more severe than the men of Israel. Now a wicked man named Sheba, son of Bichri, a Benjaminite, happened to be there. He blew the trumpet and said, We have no share in David. We have no inheritance in this son of Jesse. Every man go home, O Israel. So all the men of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, son of Bichri. But the men of Judah stuck by their king all the way from the Jordan River to Jerusalem. Then David went to his palace in Jerusalem. The king took the ten concubines he had left to care for the palace and placed them under confinement. Though he provided for their needs, he did not sleep with them. They remained under restriction until the day they died, living out the rest of their lives as widows. Then the king said to Amasa, Call the men of Judah together for me in three days, and you and you be present here with them too. So Amasa went out to call Judah together, but in doing so, he took longer than the time that the king had allotted him. Then David said to Abishai, Now Sheba, son of Bichri, will cause greater disaster for us than, Solomon, than Absalom did. Take your Lord's servants and pursue him. Otherwise, he will secure fortified cities for himself and get away from us. So Job's men, accompanied by the Kerithites, the Pelethites, and the warriors, left Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, son of Bichri. When they were near the big rock that is in Gibeon, Amasa came to them. Now Job was dressed in military attire and had a dagger in his sheath belted to his waist. When he advanced, it fell out. Job said to Amasa, How are you, my brother? With his right hand, Job took hold of Amasa's beard as if to greet him with a kiss. Amasa did not protect himself from the knife in Job's other hand, and Job stabbed him in the abdomen, causing Amasa's intestines to spill out on the ground. There was no need to stab him again. The first blow was fatal. Then Job and his brother Abishai, Abishai pursued Sheba, son of Bichri. One of Job's soldiers who stood over Amasa said, Whoever is for Job and whoever is for David, follow Job. Amasa was squirming in his own blood in the middle of the path, and this man had noticed that all the soldiers stopped. Having noticed that everyone who came across Amasa stopped, the man pulled him away from the path and put him into the field and threw a garment over him. Once he had removed Amasa from the path, everyone followed Job to pursue Sheba, son of Bichri. Sheba traveled through all the tribes of Israel to Abel of Beth Makkah, and all the Barite region. When they had assembled, they too joined him. So Job's men came and laid siege against the, uh, them, against him in Abel of Beth Makkah. They prepared a siege ramp outside the city that stood against its outer rampart, and all of Job's soldiers were trying to break through the wall so, they could, so that it would collapse. A wise woman called out from the city, Listen up, listen up, tell Job, come near so that I may speak to you. When he approached her, the woman asked, Are you Job? He replied, I am. She said to him, Listen to the words of your servant. He said, Go ahead, I am listening. She said, In the past, they would always say, Let them inquire in Abel. And that is how they settled things. I represent the peaceful and faithful in Israel. You are attempting to destroy an important city in Israel. Why should you swallow up the Lord's inheritance? Job answered, Not at all. I don't intend to swallow up or destroy anything. That's not the way things are. There is a man from the hill country of Ephraim named Sheba, son of Bichri. He has rebelled against King David. Give me just this one man and I will leave this city. 
the woman said to Job, This very minute his head will be thrown over the wall to you. Then the woman went to all the people with her wise advice, and they cut off Sheba's head and threw it out to Job. Job blew the trumpet, and all his men dispersed from the city, each going to his own home. Job returned to the king in Jerusalem. Now Job was a general in the command of the army of Israel. Benai the son of Joiada was over the Carathites and Parathites. And Adoniram was a supervisor of the work crews. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was a secretary. Shiva was a scribe, and Zadok and Abiathar were the priests. Ira the Jarite was David's personal priest. And so we see the end of this civil war happening in Israel. Another very sad story, seeing how the people going their own way, doing their own thing, leads to all kinds of brokenness, all kinds of terrible consequences. And we see that God, through it all, though, continued to protect David from his enemies. And so let's read Psalm 34 now, which describes uh, David in the midst of a time when he was chased by enemies. Psalm 34. By David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, causing the king to send him away. I will praise the Lord at all times. My mouth will continually praise him. I will boast in the Lord. Let the oppressed hear and rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us praise his name together. I sought the Lord's help and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant. Do not let your faces be ashamed. This oppressed man cried out and the Lord heard. He saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around the Lord's loyal followers and delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the one who takes shelter in him. Fear the Lord, you chosen people of his, for those who fear him lack nothing. Even young lions sometimes lack food and are hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, children, listen to me. I will teach you what it means to fear the Lord. Do you want to really live? Would you love to live a long, happy life? Then make sure you don't speak evil words or use deceptive speech. Turn away from evil and do what is right. Strive for peace and promote it. The Lord pays attention to the godly and hears their cry for help. But the Lord opposes evildoers and wipes out all the memory of them from the earth. The godly cry out and the Lord hears. He saves them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He delivers those who are discouraged. The godly face many dangers, but the Lord saves them from each one of them. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil people self-destruct. Those who hate the godly are punished. The Lord rescues his servants. All who take shelter in him escape punishment. So there's David's explanation that God does save people from their enemies, but also that when we sin, when we do evil, there are consequences. But when we do right and good, there are blessings. And those are important realities to remember as we think about what God is like and how to respond in our relationship to him. And then we finish today by reading from Romans chapter 2. Therefore, you are without excuse, whoever you are, when you judge someone else. For on whatever grounds you judge another, you condemn yourself, because you, will you who judge practice the same things. Now we know that God's judgment is in accordance with truth against those who practice such things. And do you think, whoever you are, when you judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you have contempt for the wealth of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, and yet do not know that God's kindness leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of, of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. He will reward each one according to his works. 
eternal life to those who by perseverance and good works seek glory and honor and immortality, but wrath and anger to those who live in selfish ambition and do not obey the truth but follow unrighteousness. There will be affliction and distress on everyone who does evil, on the Jew first and also on the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For there is no partiality with God, for all who have sinned apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous before God, but those who do the law will be declared righteous. For whenever the Gentiles do not, who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, these who do not have the law are a law to themselves. They show that the work of the law is written in their hearts, as their conscience bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or else defend them. On the day when God will judge the secrets of human hearts according to my gospel through Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast of your relationship to God and know his will and approve the superior things because you receive instruction from the law, and if you are convinced that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an educator of the senseless, a teacher of little children, because you have, you have in the law the essential features of the knowledge of the truth, therefore, you who teach someone else, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who tell others, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by transgressing the law. For it is written, the name of God is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision has its value if you practice the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcised man obeys the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And the physically uncircumcised man, by keeping the law, will you judge, will judge you to be the transgressor of the law, even though you have the letter and circumcision? For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision something that is outward in the flesh. But someone is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is one of the heart by the spirit and not the letter. This person's praise is not from people, but from God. So as Paul is working through the book of Romans here, he is making a case saying that all people, whether they are Jews or Gentiles, sin and fail to live out their lives in accordance with God's law or the law that's written in their own hearts. And we'll see in the next chapter, in the next episode, where this leads and what this means. But again, it's just a reminder of the war that goes on within our hearts, a war of evil and sin that is only conquered by Jesus and his faithful mercy and grace to us and what he has done. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You